My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Monday the 10th of October. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. At the end of last week, US President Joe Biden announced he would pardon anyone convicted of possessing small amounts of cannabis at the federal level. Activists are speculating this could be the green light for eventually decriminalising or even legalising cannabis in America. We'll explain what Biden has actually done and what the next steps will be. But first, Zara, what is making headlines today? The Australian Defence Force is working with New South Wales Emergency Services to assist residents in New South Wales as heavy rainfall and flash flooding continues to hit the state. Emergency services are most focused on areas in western New South Wales, including Bathurst, Mudgee and Dubbo, with the Bureau of Meteorology warning another severe weather system just as bad is destined to hit the state on Wednesday. The only bridge between the Russian mainland and Crimea, which is one of Russia's annexed territories, has been partially destroyed by what Russian authorities say was a truck bomb. Ukraine has not directly claimed responsibility, but a Ukrainian presidential advisor posted a message on Twitter calling the explosion, quote, the beginning. We're just simply full of good news today. North Korea has fired two more ballistic missiles, making them the seventh and eighth missiles in 14 days. It comes as South Korea and the US conducted a round of military exercises. North Korean state media said the missile tests are, quote, normal planned self-defense measures to protect our country's security and regional peace from direct U.S. military threats. And now I've got some actual good news for everybody to start off your week. Chris Nikic has become the first athlete with Down syndrome to finish the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii. Nikic finished the 226-kilometer race in 16 hours on what was also his 23rd birthday. After the race, Nikic said, quote, I want to open doors and I want to raise awareness. Anyone who sees people with Down syndrome, don't look away or walk away. President Joe Biden's announcement that he was going to initiate a mass pardon for anyone who had a past conviction of possessing a bit of cannabis is a big deal. But before we get into what this will mean for people who have a cannabis possession conviction on their record, Sam, could you actually just explain what a pardon is in the first case? So the ability to pardon people convicted of federal crimes is, to me, one of the most interesting things that a US president can do. It's kind of like they have the power to undo a court's decision to find someone guilty, even decades after the fact. It's granted to them by the US Constitution, and it's a pretty broad power. Almost every president has pardoned at least one person in their time, for better or for worse. Bill Clinton used the presidential pardon to clear his brother Roger of a past conviction for cocaine possession. Gerald Ford cleared Richard Nixon's name of corruption. And even George Washington, way back when, pardoned a few men convicted for their role in a rebellion against taxes in the 1790s. 
But mass pardons, so not individuals, like the one Biden has just announced, are much rarer. Pardoning a bunch of people who've all been convicted of the same crime is a huge decision, and there aren't that many groups that it could conceivably apply to. Now, the biggest and most recent example that I could think of is from the late 70s, and that was when Jimmy Carter cleared thousands of men convicted of dodging the draft for the Vietnam War, and that was one of the things he did on his first day in office as president. That was quite the American history you got going on there. It's a really interesting part of the way a president can operate, and it was in the headlines a lot with President Trump because, of course, he wanted to try and pardon himself. Now, Biden has used that power to pardon thousands of people convicted of possessing small amounts of cannabis. He also called on individual US state governors to do the same thing. Okay, so now let's go to what the crime at the centre of this decision actually is. Can you take us through what a simple possession actually means? So basically, simple possession is what an American can be charged with if they're found to be holding on to a small quantity of cannabis for personal use. And personal use has a whole legal connotation to it. If the amount of cannabis looks more than just a small quantity, that's when you can be charged with things like intent to distribute. Now, for a first offence, you'll typically get away with a misdemeanour, which is a low-level conviction, a slap on the wrist. But if you're convicted again, that's when you start to enter felony territory. Felonies are hugely serious under US law. Even as recently as 2018, anyone convicted of a felony could not legally vote in the state of Florida, even if they'd already completed their sentence. And the punishments for felonies extend all the way up to the death penalty. But there's a whole nother factor at play here, Zara, a funky bit of legal layering. So quite a few US states have decriminalized or even legalized recreational use of cannabis, but it's still a crime at a federal level where the drug is still treated as a controlled substance. So what that really means is that, and this is unlikely, if you're a recreational or medical cannabis consumer in a legal state like the state of New York, in the eyes of the US government, you're still committing a crime and you could be convicted of simple possession under federal law. Okay, so with that context set, how many people will Biden's decision actually affect in reality? This decision is going to impact anyone who has a federal charge for simple possession of cannabis on their criminal record going back as far as the 1970s. White House officials reckon that since 1992, about 6,500 people have been convicted of this, but the estimates aren't really clear. When a member of President Biden's administration got up at the White House last week to explain the decision, they highlighted that, in their words, black and brown people are disproportionately in jail for it. This is despite, as the president says, white people using cannabis at similar rates to those groups. We'll be back in just a moment, but first, a message from our sponsor. I think the big question on everybody's lips is, does Biden's decision now mean that cannabis will be decriminalised or, taking a step further, even legalised soon across the board in the US? It's definitely a possibility in the future, but not right now. The next step that Biden wants to take is to investigate whether cannabis should continue to be classified as a Schedule 1 drug. And that's how the Drug Enforcement Administration describes drugs with no currently accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse. And that includes things like heroin and ecstasy as well. And that's really interesting because there's plenty of governments, including some US states, that accept that cannabis has medical benefits. Okay, so if there's not this mass movement towards 
the decriminalization at a federal level of cannabis. Why did Biden make a move on this now of all times? We do have to think about this in the context of the US political calendar. I think every story we do on the US ends on this note. And we have to talk about the midterms. That's when Americans will go to vote for new senators and local representatives. And it's only about five weeks away now. Midterms are typically seen as a kind of opinion poll on the current president. If the current president's party, the Democrats, lose a lot of seats, then it's a clear indictment that American people don't have faith in the current president. So a big call like this to wipe thousands of people's criminal records clean of a minor offence could mean lots of votes for those people and their families and for the many Americans who support the decriminalisation of cannabis. However, there's always another reaction, and that is that it could alienate more hardline anti-drug activists. Now, this is a really big move for President Biden specifically. Biden's years in the Senate changed the face of the prison system in America. He pushed for changes, including mandatory minimum sentences for drug offences. And in the 1990s, he was known for having a really hardline approach to crime. He was famous for quotes like lock those sons of bitches up about people who'd committed crimes and said, it doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society. I don't want to ask what made them do this. They must be taken off the streets. So a fair bit of a U-turn from the president then. It's definitely a change in tone. It's been in the works for a while, including during his presidential run in 2019. But this is clearly the biggest sign that he's changed his position on drug offences since he was first elected way back in the 70s. Moving along from the fact that the current president was first elected in the 1970s, if we zoom out from the US, you said that lots of Americans support decriminalising cannabis. Do we understand anything about the level of support here in Australia? Zara, we're the Daily Oz, so we understand... Are we now? We are. We understand what people think because we ask them. And we recently asked our readers how they feel about the potential decriminalisation of cannabis for personal use. Can you just contextualise why it was that we asked this question? So Federal Greens Senator David Shoebridge said he'd received legal advice that there was potentially a way to legalise cannabis at the national level. And so 2,800 TDA readers responded to our call-out, and the results were really interesting. Of the people who responded, 87% said recreational cannabis should be legalised in Australia, and 90% said that possession of small amounts of at least some illicit drugs should be decriminalised. So in our audience, at least, there is strong support for a proposal like Joe Biden's, but we will have to wait and see if anything actually comes of that here at home. It is certainly an interesting one. Thank you for joining us on The Daily Oz and it is an exciting day for us here at TDA. We're going to throw now to a little teaser of our new podcast that dropped this morning. It's called The Mirror. It's hosted by our editor Billy Fitzsimons and it's really something. You can listen to episode one and subscribe to the show at the link in our show notes. And now to The Mirror. Enjoy. Julia Gillard's misogyny speech. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. The moment Australia's first female Prime Minister, the only female Prime Minister we've had, stood up and said enough. I will not. Not now. Not ever. During that 15-minute speech, 
Her fury at the former opposition leader, Tony Abbott, was visceral. Misogyny, sexism, every day from this leader of the opposition. But this speech was in response to more than just one man. There's all this stuff about her wardrobe and her appearance. The language was a whore in a whorehouse. She'd be placed in a chaff bag and thrown out to sea. And tell her to swim home. Ditch the witch. Chicken thick thighs. And fat ass. Browns bitch. July. Liar, liar, pants on fire, when Gillard said enough that day, it wasn't just Abbott she put on notice. On your fashion sense, your marital status, uh, your earlobes. It was all of us. From the Daily Oz, I'm Billy Fitzsimons. This is The Mirror. It's a mirror.